Welcome to Soapbox Sisters, hosted by Jess, Jessica Denise, and Linda. This podcast is an intersectional discussion on all things sex, life, and everything in between. As always, we're talking from our lived experience. If these topics bring anything up for you, we encourage you to talk to a professional. Happy listening! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to season two of Soapbox Sisters. We still gotta work on we this. Yeah, yeah. That's not even a damn um, So today we're talking about sex and drugs, um, and I think what's really interesting about this topic is that they're often linked together in our culture. Um, oh, yeah. And you know, you heard that phrase like "sex, drugs, and rock and roll." Yeah. Oh, so no and rock and roll today. I'm sorry. No rock and roll today, or maybe I don't know. Oh, I, feel I, feel I spoke too soon. Not I spoke too soon. So I don't know. Um, so why have they been put together? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. What's that origin? You guys know I love a good history lesson. Um, and then, you know, we want to know, I want to know from you all, is sex better on drugs in your experience? Oh, you've had those experiences. That's an interesting question. And what do people use and why? So that's the overview of the program. So tuck in everybody, because here we go. <laughs> Um, so then before we get started, I'll just make a quick mention that today we're playing a fun little game, which is guess which two out of three of us are high, aka on edibles. Um, and someone's making pointing sounds, but I'm not going to say it out loud. So, um, yeah, listen to whatever quirks are going to come up within the next, honestly, it's free game, like 45 minutes to an hour and a half probably. Sorry, not sorry. Um, Try and guess, and then you'll find out um, if you were right or not on episode two of season two. So that'll be fun. Okay. So first, we're going to talk about the counterculture movement. Are you all familiar with the counterculture movement in the U.S.? No. No. Okay. Well, um, Jessica Rose Chapman was raised in the Bay Area. And so, for all my Bay Area peeps, that one listener, probably my mom. Hey, what's up, girl? Hey, we say hi to your mom every time. We <laughs> do. We just need to make sure she listens. Like, like, she legit doesn't, doesn't even listen. Uh, um, thanks. Anyway, um, so the counterculture movement was it between the 60s and 70s, 1960s and 1970s. Um, and it was basically, I mean, okay, boomers are probably going to get mad at me because I'm totally just whitewashing it, but essentially the overall theme of the counterculture was let's do the opposite of what like traditional American culture says. And it kind of came from the movements around um, feminism, anti-Vietnam and all that kind of stuff. And I'm also going to add a little asterisk because I think when you learn about the counterculture movement, or at least when I learned about the counterculture movement uh, in school, you know, you learn about like the hippies and you learn about the, the war protests and stuff like that. But I was listening to the 1619 Project, mm-hmm. um, which is an incredible resource, and I'll put it in the show notes. And what um, the the originator of it, oh God, what's her name? Kevin Nicole Jones. Thank you. No. Um, Nobel Peace Prize winner. She won, Ooh. I think, last year or two years ago. Um, Let's fact check that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's fact check it. Don't worry. But I saw it because it said Pulitzer Prize winning. Da, 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 da. Um, no, no, the name. Oh. <laughs> Not your fact. No. Um, I don't know. You seem pretty sure of yourself. I believe it. Yeah. Yes, I was like, yeah. yeah. It is. It's hard. Good old For sure. Yeah. Anyway. 
she said that black people are the perfectors of our democracy. So, and, and the, the context for that was talking about how the counterculture movement in our history books, we like to talk a lot about that they were the ones, the, the white sort of middle-class hippies are the ones who started this like transition from being, I would say sort of more of this Republican nuclear family, whatever, to kind of starting this new social reform in our okay. country. But no, it didn't start, you know, with the hippies and the, the counterculture movement. I think they built upon what Dr. Martin Luther King was doing, what mm-hmm. Malcolm X was doing, mm-hmm. what all these people were doing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just want to kind of give a caveat to that because I think we often talk a lot about like, oh, the hippies were like started this sort of social change. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. Um, you could just call out the fact that you're opening something. Just because <laughs> her like ASMR very quietly <laughs> open up a pack of holes. <laughs> you, you, it's okay to just say, hey, I'm all opening right. up the pack all of holes. Right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do it quickly. <laughs> um, so the counterculture, obviously it happened in the 1960s and 70s. It was first referenced in Life magazine um, in their issue uh, in 1969, and they said the counterculture has its sacrament in sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So that was kind of like the first published uh, referral to that saying or that phrase. And then Spectator, which is a British publication, said something in October 1971, not for nothing is the youth culture characterized by sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And then there was a singer named Ian Dury uh, in 1977 who did a song called Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. And the the phrase or the term kind of became this like, uh, you know, fuck the establishment kind of situation. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily like, oh, you know, this is bad or good. It was sort of just like a, a, a slogan for people to say like, yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, like, fuck it. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. Was there any activism actually associated with it or was it just a, like, no, I think it was a label that was placed on the counter, like on the hip bus, right. To say that like, oh, and like young people in that era of like, well, all they care about is just like having sex, doing drugs and listening to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. interestingly enough though, this phrase, while it was applicable in the 20th century, it's always been used in different iterations throughout right. history. Right. So there's a much older expression, which I actually personally prefer, and I think my two fellow podcasters will also like, is called Wine, Women, and Song. Oh, what And the- that was, like, the original expression of, like, you know, what it means to be, like, free or to be, like, I don't know, like, not giving a shit about Where anything. Where did that originate? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great question. So some people think that the theologian Martin Luther, um, the OG uh, Christian, what is the word I'm looking at? I have no idea. <laughs> Martin Luther, he wrote the 95 Theses. He, he separated from the Catholic Church. Protestantism. Good God. All right. Um, I'm a bad Christian. Anyway. Oh, wait, I'm not one. Um, anyway, so... Spoiler alert. It'd be so fun. Focus. Okay, so the older expression is wine, woman, and song. And um, it's it may have started with Martin Luther. Some people say it's Johann Heinrich Voss, 
um, a German right. writer. Um, but a lot of people say it's probably an anonymous author because like old wives tales, as they say, it kind of develops and mutates and changes yeah. depending on your culture and stuff. Um, so, but there's, there, like most places say that like, yeah, it's probably around like the 17 and 1800s is when it was used quite uh, often. And it, there's actually in the German national anthem, there's one phrase. It's wine, woman, and song. So oh. the Germans like to get down. That's so interesting. I have never heard yeah. like, any other phrases kind of used. Yeah. And there are like there are different iterations of wine, women, uh, and song in all like so many. Cultures. It also gives me live, laugh, love vibes, and I yeah. I don't know how I feel. Yeah, about I feel it. some kind of way because I don't get it. So yeah. basically, instead of saying sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which is sort of like saying like yeah, like right. let's just fucking do it, we're saying they they were saying wine, woman, and song. Like let's so, just all drink and marry and uh, fornicate. Okay. And so that's sing just songs. like the different iterations that have yes. come of that phrase. Yeah. Okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Which by comparison, live, laugh, love is kind of lame, but yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah. why does sex and drugs go together? Do y'all think? Well, probably because of the whole idea that it, like, lowers your inhibitions in some way. And so mm-hmm. that makes you more open to different things, but pleasure being one. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes these drugs can expand pleasure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it makes people more curious, more open. Yeah. Yeah. My Christianity self <laughs> tells me that it comes from a place of, like, associating the sins with the sins. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if you're having sex, you're doing drugs, you're drinking, you're being greedy, you're, you know? So yeah. that's that's where my you're mind doing is. All right. You're doing all the sins. It's all the sins. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it is. So, yeah, so it's, that's really interesting. I mean, both of those things are like 100% yeah, like <laughs> on the pathway of what I'm going to talk about right now. So there's a linguist um, called Alyssa Wolf, and she uh, represents an organization actually in Oakland, California. Oh, nice. Um, And yeah, and they do like linguistic exploration of like certain things about our culture. So she and her group did a kind of unpacking of why sex is like so taboo. Like why, where does that word come from? Like what are some of the phrases or things that are associated with it? So it was really interesting because oftentimes when you pull from like the sort of zeitgeist of culture, um, the word sex, it goes along with obviously sexuality and sex education. Um, but it also on the sort of flip side, the like negative piece is it goes along with abstinence. And when we think of abstinence, the words that are kind of affiliated with it, because it has, it has a whole lot of baggage is what she says, um, is that we talk about abstaining from illicit drugs, from alcohol, from addiction, um, and patterns in language tell us that putting we're putting sex in the same category as cocaine and heroin, um, which I think is really interesting. And then there's this idea in our language that sex is dangerous, compulsive, right? Mm-hmm. One of the seven deadly mm-hmm. sins. It's it, it's like it needs to be contained. It's filthy. It's dirty. Um, it paints a picture of sexuality that it's something that needs to be defeated or destroyed, that we have no control over it. 
Um, and when you paint this in one picture, sexuality is an opponent or and sex is an opponent outside of us and it has needs and goals that are not our own and we're locked in this constant struggle between sex and and ourselves and our future. So I thought that was really interesting thing to kind of just like put in there because yeah. I'm always curious why sex, drugs, and rock and roll have always kind of just been placed in this sort of phrase. Um, and why is it that all of those things are bad, right? Like, I, that's something else, too, that, like, growing up in a Christian culture yeah. is, like, if you do drugs or you will probably have sex and you're probably listening to rock and roll, yeah. <laughs> you know, or something like that, or you're listening to rap or whatever it is that's, like, that moment of the culture. Um uh, not to interrupt, but quick little Go caveat. Ahead. The reason why we had chosen sex and drugs to be the topic of conversation for this specific episode um, is because we're planning to release this right around 420. 420! So <laughs> the plan is just to stay on theme, you know? Yeah. Just talk a little bit about that. Um, you mean Hitler's birthday? Because it's also 420. Oh my lord. <laughs> not the caveat I was going to. Yeah, but- <laughs> we're, not, we're not going there this episode, listener. Please don't yeah. leave. 420 is the marijuana holiday the unofficial marijuana right 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 right. the unofficial marijuana holiday so our plan is to tackle sex and drugs for um this episode in april um in celebration or commemoration of 420 (laughs) so i'm actually curious like so i know this is going on like a, a side from my notes but 420 where do y'all think the origins are from like i don't know the answer so i'm just curious like how what have you heard it's also Earth Day, no? Uh, the 22nd, I think it's Earth Day. Yeah. Is it? I, for some reason, I always associated it either on Earth Day or around Earth Day. Yeah. So I, for mm-hmm. some and because it's not, it's not like day. National Drug Day, it's like it's weed specifically. Yeah. I've always just kind of associated it with like, it's around Earth it's Day. Earth. It's, you know, like that's, yeah. that's why specifically. So that's, that's the only theory I have. Okay. Yeah. And I'm sticking with it. You don't have anything, Jeff? I got nothing. All right. Besides well, that, that was the first one that came up. In my oh, high nice. school, we said the reason why 420 came up was because, and this was in my high school, so you know, a long time ago, mm-hmm. these kids every day after school would smoke at 420. And then they got, like, arrested or something like that. It yeah. all had to do with, like, 420, like, the time. You have to love high school rumors. Right? Or, like, high school justifications <laughs> yeah. for stuff. And they'll and then it gets really specific because then they'll start saying like so and so is the one who started it and right. like how do you know that right if you don't yeah. well we'll look into it yeah, and then know. maybe make like a brief mention <laughs> of it moving forward because now I'm intrigued mm-hmm. pretty positive there wasn't a random high school in Marin County correct that. yes this, a, a county <laughs> that came up with wealthy it. white kids yeah who came it. up with it. Right. Maybe we're probably not. We'll let him dream. <laughs> we'll let him dream. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um. Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, so let's talk about performance enhancing drugs. So oh. Jessica Denise, what kind of performance? Okay. Let's talk okay. about. Okay. It. <laughs> so Jessica Denise mentioned that like people might take drugs when they're having sex to like feel more pleasure or to maybe in some cases some people like will numb it so that they can last longer. Whatever, like people use drugs for various reasons yeah. when they're having sex. What do they know? <laughs> I don't know. What do they know? I don't know. You're just stating everybody's like thoughts. Like, oh, what are they trying to numb? Huh? What are they, what are they numbing? What exactly is it to be numbing? What are you going to do? Um, I mean, yeah, like just 
Yeah. Do you remember? Oh, wait. You watched Parks and Recreation. Hell yeah, with Parks and Rec. Do you remember when Tom Haverford, we don't watch it right now. Tom Haverford says, Leslie. There's some funny moments. It's so good. I think you'll actually really like it. It's good comedy. It's good. It's like good, clean comedy. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) this is definitely a clean part of the the episodes. So Tom Haverford answers the door because Leslie's like, hey, we're like out of um, being, what was it? On hiatus or whatever. And Tom's like, Leslie, read the vibe. And like his room, his house has like Jamiroquai on. And he's like, I just took three Benadryl to numb my senses. And I'm wearing my sexy silk robe. (laughs) And he was like going to have sex with his girlfriend or whatever. And he was saying that like Benadryl like will make him last longer and he'll stay harder for longer. I think that was like the implication. And I was like, that's so what? And honest, and use that. I mean, in his defense, we didn't specify what exactly drugs like we're going to be talking about. So I mean, if it's been if Benadryl's your thing, um, (laughs) there's a specific just because it reminded me of the um, part in Parks and Rec. I think it's a blooper Mm -hmm. where they're in like this like tall town hall like meeting or whatever, and they're like, oh, like name something and i'm gonna completely butcher this but it's just it's a really funny part so look it up if you don't if you know what i'm talking about but um where um andy's sitting down and like everybody else is talking and they're like oh yeah like what's something that's like come off your back like you know and try, like they're referring to something different and then he's like well what about that like kim kardashian video like there's something like on her back and it is just oh one of the funniest bloopers <laughs> that i've ever seen and i know i'm butchering it completely and i want to just look it up probably at some point in this episode to clear it up but oh my god i haven't laughed that hard in a while yeah, really like he's just and it's like it's one of those moments that's like it's not like, scripted quick, quick, quick. and yeah. he just yeah and he i just i mean I he ends up like things. now he's like guardians of the galaxy and that yeah movie, he's like super funny too but just like his Chris humor Pratt. oh my god i yeah. can't with him yeah with that here for yeah. Pratt. yeah yeah his yeah. name's andy yeah. so now i'm gonna look uh, it up because yeah. i'm okay <laughs> where's the blue for me so while yeah. you're looking it up, I'm going to talk about ecstasy, alcohol, and marijuana. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, go ahead. You That's know, important. the three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, there was a recent publication where a significant group of people, I want to say about 100 people, were <laughs> interviewed um, for af- after getting out of a nightclub or having attended a nightclub, which is very interesting. I'm like, who... What research people were like, let's go at like two o'clock in the morning, New York City, stand outside and ask people questions. Um, I mean, it could be interesting. I used to hand out um, chlamydia tests at clubs all the time. Be like, yeah, here, take a chlamydia test. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, in England. <laughs> no, well, I know. Well, the thing is, is I have experience with handing out like the HIV test. Yeah, yeah. But I never had seen chlamydia tests being handed Oh, wow, that's super yeah, interesting. I mean, it probably wasn't a good idea. I mean, it was clean. <laughs> The outside wasn't wet, but I don't know how long it took me to, to pee or anything in the cup. But, yeah. Interesting. Anyway, yeah. Like, so they would do it in front of you when they give you? No, 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 no. We'd give them, we'd stand in front of the bathroom uh-huh. and then, like, hand them out. And then they'd come out, give us the pee, and we would give them, like, a gift card or something, like, to, like, yeah, just help them along. So you are just collecting your pee for research? No, we were collecting it. People had chlamydia. We were coll- yeah, we were collecting it to test cl- for chlamydia. Yeah, and then they had like a little label that had their first. Oh, so you. you're okay. Yeah, yeah. It uh, wasn't like uh, you were just like, like, oh, everybody has chlamydia, but we're not going to tell them who they are. No, no, no. They had their label. <laughs> okay, it was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, it was part of the NHS sort of like uh, okay. initiative because chlamydia was like massively on the rise when I was in grad school there. Yeah. So, um, so this group of psychologists went to a club and they interviewed a bunch of people 
before and after their experience at said club about their use of drugs. And so I'm going to read a quote from the study because I thought it was really interesting. So results suggest that compared to marijuana, alcohol and ecstasy were more strongly associated with heightened perceived sexual effects, i.e. perceived sexual attractiveness of self and others. Fun story about that in a second. Uh, sexual desire, length of intercourse, and sexual outgoingness. So it was a perceive. It's their perception, right? Like, ah, uh, like okay. alcohol and ecstasy is gonna make me sexy as fuck. All right, segue. I'm sorry, I just got I got because I didn't want to butcher it. Yeah. Um, they're like everybody loves a good. So this is going back to the parks and rec. So um. Everyone loves a good comeback story, right? Like that's what they yeah story yeah, and they're like oh like Sea Biscuit and like they start to name people right, and then Chris Pratt goes Kim Kardashian and everyone just kind of looks at him like he's like well yeah in that video she like has come on her back and everyone just cracks up so it's hilarious and I knew it had to do with coming back and I needed a reason which one of us is so, um, I'm sorry. That. It was going to bother me until I said I it. I like right, right now, you probably could not tell it. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Parks and Rec Bloober. I would be shocked if anyone could tell which one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, alcohol and ecstasy were more strongly associated with heightened perceived sexual effects. So, like, you're, like, feeling yourself. You're like, oh, my God. I look so good right now. Um, I want to hear more about this perceived thing. Like, why is that important? Well, because mm-hmm. increased body and sex organ sensitivity and increased sexual intensity are most commonly associated with ecstasy use and not with alcohol use. So people think when they're on alcohol that they're super sexy and they're going to have the longest sex ever in the whole wide world. And then it's but trash. often it's not great. I'm not speaking yeah. for myself. Yeah. Um, what? No. <laughs> um, sexual dysfunction is most common while using alcohol or ecstasy, especially among males. Hence the term whiskey dick. Whiskey dick. Oh. Females are more likely to report sexual dysfunction after using marijuana. Oh. Say that again? So, no, wait, you were saying something that was far more interesting. No, I was I? Oh, oh no, she it. just Go she on. just said she had never heard the term whiskey dick. Oh, yes. oh what? Yes. Yeah, yeah, mm. I, Y'all, I'm not... Not out in the streets like that. Okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> Neither am I. Yeah. Know you are an educator. Oh, yeah. God. You know what's funny? I actually never I heard never, it from a class. No, like, it either. was never one of, like, the questions. I really yeah. wish I had asked oh. those questions again. But there were some good ones in there. We should ask the people we used to work with. Oh, yeah. We could probably share some stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. But, um, no, it was from an ex. He was the one that told me the term. Yeah, a, bo- a, a boy, a man yeah. told me about whiskey dick as well. Yeah. I was like, oh, Not I didn't that realize that's a thing. That's unfortunate. Sucks, I know, right? Sucks to suck. Anyways. Literally. Um, <laughs> so sexual dysfunction is most common while using alcohol or ecstasy among males. Okay. And females are more likely to report sexual dysfunction after using marijuana. That's oh, wild. that sucks. I, I have to say, though, like, when I'm super stoned, mm-hmm. I don't want to be like my throat's all dry like i'm done like i don't feel sexy mm. oh interesting um but also like it doesn't stop me <laughs> i still do it <laughs> i'm just saying it's like, not great but it's i don't not feel great the but end it be all stop me to that story i'm doing right, I, of course. Be I, mean, no, I don't want to hold me back 
Um, yeah, well, that was a good comeback story. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, post-sex regret is most common with alcohol use. Oh my god, shock of all shock. Alcohol, marijuana, and ecstasy have been. Uh, I don't know, man. I've been sober for seven years. Those have probably been oh. probably more often. But what's up? Post-sex regret was most common with alcohol use. Alcohol and marijuana and ecstasy each have different sexual effects. Therefore, each is associated with different risks and benefits for the users. Um, and then, of course, from a public health perspective, because that's what Linda and I do, findings um, can inform prevention and harm reduction as young adults are prone to use these substances. Yeah. Which ultimately, it's like, we know what's going to happen. Yeah. The harm reduction approach, right? Like, yeah. we know what's going to happen, but what can what you can do just do? to make it maybe slightly safer? So, like, mm-hmm. if you're going to get trashed and fucked, that's great. Let's but get you on prep. Let's, right. Let's mm-hmm. let's see if we can find some yeah. pre or post if needed, like, mm-hmm. so you have the access. Mm-hmm. Or just carry a condom, you know? At yeah. minimum. You know? At minimum. Yeah. But I, I really appreciate that approach. Yeah. <clears throat> So let's talk about other performance-enhancing drugs, also known as ED meds, erectile dysfunction, um, and the the creme de la creme, Viagra. So Viagra was approved by the FDA in 1998, um, and the active chemical in Viagra is an artificial compound that was originally synthesized and studied to treat hypertension, which is high blood pressure. Oh, no way. Yeah. Or uh, angina. Which is a form of cardiovascular disease. Yes. Yeah. It's a terrible so, name for cardiovascular disease. I got a little bit of angina. You got a little angina or a big angina? Right. What are you talking about? Uh, chemists at the Pfizer pharmaceutical company found, however, that while the drug had little effect on angina, great word, Again, terrible. Uh, yeah. it could induce penile erections. Now, who, which of those scientists brought that home and thought, hmm, this will be a good idea? I mean, they had a study group. But still. Yeah, but which is interesting, though, like, that they made the connection between, mm-hmm. like, impotence mm-hmm. and a weak heart. Like, how did they decide that? Oh. How did they, like, it's just an interesting, like, what is your, maybe they were just tracking, but what guys, men are probably aren't talking about being impotent. Oh, I'm sure they are. Because that's, like, the biggest, men get all freaked out when their penis stops working. Right, but I don't, I mean, in terms of, like, talking about it to other people, like, that's True. also not something they do. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. For, I mean, I guess if you talk to enough patients, if they, you know, yeah. enough, right. enough people saying that would be yeah. like, huh. Well, the other thing I was thinking is, like, men don't, there's a stereotype, right, that, like, men don't go to the doctor. They hate right. going to the doctor. Yeah. So I'm curious if, like, more men went to the doctor when they were experiencing ED. More than probably, like, heart trouble. Yeah. Like, they would rather go in and that's their ego, that's ego thing than their heart, right? right. right. Priorities. Yeah. And I'm then they find out. Heart hurts. I don't give a fuck if my chest is hurting. Yeah. Ready, my dick is getting hard. That's a hurt. problem. We need to go ASAP. Fuck okay. okay. Men. Men. <laughs> Men. Anyways. <laughs> Straight up trash. No. Um, it is interesting. But I, I think what I was talking to my partner about this this morning was like, I feel like a lot of times ED is actually an underlying problem for people and it's, it's not, it's actually like heart disease or diabetes or stress or oh, a million other things. Like why do we immediately just go to like take a pill? Well, cause we're Americans. But well, right. And because we're used to treating symptoms of the actual problem. Right. problem. It's like, that's just yeah. Western medicine as well. You know, yeah. it's like the, 
Yeah, it's like, let's just treat the symptom. The symptom's the one that's the issue. Yeah. And then, like, if you get a good enough doctor, they'll do a proper workup and actually figure right. it out. Um, or if you're honest about, you know, it's like, well, and I'm sure this will go a bunch of different ways, but like, I'm sure doctors would ask like, okay, do you also have like chest pain? Do you, and I'm mm-hmm. sure like, no, no, like I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just, you know, yeah, it's just, just going to get hard. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's like, but if you're honest enough about it, it's like, and you get a good doctor, you have the proper workup. It's like, no, you're right. Like it could absolutely be something different. Yeah. Which is probably more of a fucking priority than. Right. Like, yeah, maybe living is probably yeah. more important than yeah. About. And don't even get me started on the fact that again, out of all things that are out there on the market, like oh, yeah. yeah, we have stuff to fix ED, but we don't have birth control pills for men yet. Like no, yeah, yeah that's more important. It's more important that yeah. they get hard when they're actually experiencing probably the things. wrong type of drugs are being yeah, exactly <laughs> the wrong type of priorities. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so typically within 30 to 60 minutes, erection would happen after getting this Viagra dose. Um, and that's a long ass time. Yeah. Really? You think 30? Well, cause if you think about it, like if you're in the moment or you're like, you don't realize yeah. that's what's going to happen. Half an hour is a long time. That's true. Like I'm gone in half an hour. But wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Half an hour at the time. You still have to be aroused. It's not like your penis just goes up, right? I don't know. Do we know? No, I think, well, because it immediately you get an erection. I think it does, like, it increase. well, let me know about, like, how it works, but I'm I'm pretty sure, like, once it kicks in, it's like, you get an erection, because the issue with that is, um, and the only reason why I would think that is is that, is that there's, like, um, like, cautionary, like, oh, and if it's up for more than four Four hours, hours, like, go to the ER. So, clearly, I don't Honestly, like movies. Oh, commercials. commercials commercials movies movies yeah i, I mean but back before we all had, media uh streaming things yeah the only things that we use we sat and we watched and commercials yeah. for viagra are so pre- um prevalent yeah. yeah they were everywhere discontinued use of boners last been more than one yeah mm-hmm. no yeah and they said boners not erections by yeah. the way um <laughs> Well, yeah, so it says here, it says the drug had little effect on angina. It could induce penile erections. The only reason why I'm wondering is, like, do you have to be sexually aroused in order for your penis to get hard? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so you could take it before your date. I mean, yeah, but also then you have that timeline of, like, at any point. Your penis will just Like, we could have very easily stayed for dessert, and now I took this way too early. Yeah, that's true. So now I'm eating, like, my chocolate lava cake with a heart on. Like, there's a problem with you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just like poking. No, that's too long. I I, I need a definite. I need 17 yeah. minutes so I know exactly what I'm doing. Or or if you're gonna no, take it half an hour, then you gotta like do something. Frame. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll go eat something. I'll come back later. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> um. So yeah, Pfizer just decided to um, patent it as a erectile dysfunction drug, and it good has old, been on the market ever Pfizer. since. Yeah, yeah, good old Pfizer. Um. So yeah, so that's the history of Viagra. Um, and interestingly, Viagra um, was had been sold to women in like the, I want to say early 2000s. There was a Sex in the City episode about it. I don't know if y'all oh, saw it. Oh, the one where Samantha, Samantha takes it? I yeah. love that And episode. then she like has an orgasm that's like really good or whatever. Yeah. But actually there's no data that biological females have the ability to orgasm more or better on okay. Viagra. Yeah. Like, say, I'm pretty sure it would be more of like a well-known thing yeah. if it was. They I tried mean, to market it and it just didn't work. I feel like it's logical though. Right, because the clitoris is 
Yeah. Like, when all, because, like, the whole point, like, they, that they thought it was for heart stuff, right? right? So that's, like, probably increasing blood flow in some way. Mm, so right. I would think that the increased blood flow to that region right. would produce, like, more enlargement of the clitoris or more flesh. I hear that, and also the likelihood of them running the study on women to see if it was, like, a benefit for women is zero to none because yeah. they aren't fucking worried about women getting pleasure so yeah well you know what i have decided we are going to be researchers now (laughs) (laughs) uh we're taking open applications for any uh pharmaceutical companies that like to test things on Um, so i'm just kidding viagra on women yeah Yeah, so viagra was they were super excited they were going to market it to women and it just didn't really have any I mean, can we also just talk about the fact that, you know, this is a very Christian nation, not literally, but anyway, the, the, the most dominant religion is, and there's like a lot of purity culture. So women, women going, when they started advertising for that kind of thing, right? Oh, you know what? Yeah. How, like, women are going to ask their doctor for their pearls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your women are, are hardly allowed to have sex without it leading to procreation right like anyway yeah so agreed 100% and also like female biological female sexuality and pleasure is complicated well it's not complicated but it's based on your body right Right, right, and so you know I think whereas like men it's like oh you have a heart on or you don't you have an erection or you don't you know whereas like female pleasure is layered we'll say that so, okay, I'm going to ask you guys two questions and we'll wrap it up for today. Nice. Um, so. That was a little bit loud. She's all nice. Are you ready to be done? I'm done with this shit. <laughs> I'm out. 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 Can I eat? Or like. Oh my God. God. In all honesty, there's Call of Duty or food waiting for us. <laughs> 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 we don't want to take this. We don't want to take this. Oh, my nice. It's because Yikes. I'm thinking about what the end goal is here, which is for us to eat fucking That's right. That's so Okay. Funny. I was like, wow. So I'll ask two okay. questions okay. to the to the team. Okay. Um, <laughs> to the very so <laughs> we talked about our experiences with some like different drugs and stuff. Yeah. So I won't ask that question. But it's always a good question to ask like a friend or a partner just to kind of hear what they have to say about it. So, what did your parents or school say about using drugs? Oh, and the second which... question is, um, like, was sex synonymous with drugs? Like, was the were, were those conversations together? So I'll leave that. Question. Yeah, I mean, I think to most of us, we'll relate to just like the general or like the generic, like say no to drugs, right? Like that mm-hmm. was literally the like, say no. There we go. Dare. I was dare. trying to think of that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the D.A.R.E. program, the whole, like, making us, like, march around, like, our community saying, like, say no to drugs. But then you get older and then you realize, like, oh, drugs isn't everything that they taught mm-hmm. in school. And then you realize, like, oh, like, this is, like, a very same thing that we do with um, sex and abstinence, right? It's like, yeah. no sex. It's like, well, there's ways of approaching this mm-hmm. in a way that will, A, make you as a very impressionable child you know, like actually take it in for mm-hmm. what the messaging they're trying to give you and not be in like this binary of like, oh no, no drugs. And then you like grow up and maybe like you try drugs and you're like, okay, am I supposed to feel guilty? They lied. Right. And then also, yeah, exactly. Coming they to the lied. Point, like, they lied. 
Yes. Like, I didn't become an addict in, on my first, like, joint of marijuana, right? you know? Yeah. So it's, it's not, a gateway drug. Not, not, everything, <laughs> not everything is a gateway drug. Yes. Um, so the messaging was always like, say no to drugs. And then as we get older, you realize like, um, we say no to some drugs, sir, you know, but not all of them. So yeah. let's, let's get that together. Um, and then it wasn't always synonymous for me, like sex and drugs. Um, I think that they just all have the same, I mean, similar to what I just mentioned, they all just have the same messaging. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, you just say no. Yeah. And it's like, no, like there's, again, part of what I think, our intention has been with this podcast right is to provide that education so that we step away from this narrative that sex and or drugs are shameful Mm. and then you come into this narrative of okay there's a way to have sex or not have sex or to do drugs or not have you know which i don't think we're really going to get into drug use really much maybe after this but maybe if right maybe but like if it is something that you like do or don't do it's like make sure that a like you're comfortable in your body with whatever's going on that if you feel like it's getting out of hand that you, you know, have a way to say no, that you're having conversations with the people around you, like all of these Consent, other, yeah. right, right. Mm-hmm. All of these other messages that are so important to have around the conversation of sex. And coincidentally, now that we're talking about it, drugs, but it didn't, again, didn't go hand in hand for me, but it was definitely one of those situations where it's a lot of the same mm-hmm. messaging. messaging of like, no, you just say no. And I was like, well, that's not realistic. So let's get to a place that is realistic and right. then like work from there. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I had messages about not doing that, mostly outside of the home. Hmm. And I know at home, it was just like the idea was like, don't have sex, but I'm not sure that they were worried about drugs. Hmm. So I'm not even sure we really talked about that. Or, I, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure what experiences they grew up with, but uh, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? No, so they're def- able to have that conversation. But no sex, I think, was definitely stronger with yeah. no drugs. I can hear, yeah. I can see that, yeah. It was no dr- um, drugs, but just there was something that wasn't a, a no. It wasn't like a norm mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. culture, within our culture, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's really interesting because I I don't know if either of you have parents or maybe to close family members who've had addiction. I did. My dad was an addict, mm-hmm. and so I mean. To an extent, he's an addict. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we talk about drugs a lot. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, a lot, a lot. And that was because, you know, my dad found Jesus and they cleaned up and da 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 It was this whole thing, right? And so, like, so we talked about, yeah, he found him. He was, he was missing. No, I know you yeah. saw my face, but it, it's in you my defense. Go? No, it's just one of those things where it's, like, that narrative of, like, finding Christ and then, yeah. like, making the change because of that, to me, just... I, I just have a lot of feelings about it. Yeah. Both negative and positive, by the way. Yeah. So it's not of this, like, right. no, like, that's, no. Harm like, reduction, right? Like, when we talk Again. about harm reduction. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because sometimes people, I feel like, see that as the end-all, be-all, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, but there's a life after the moment when you find Christ. And right. it's not going to be all, like, oh, well, I found him now, so, like, shit's golden. It's like, no. Yeah. Life you is still a, lot a bunch of strung-up choices. Right. And when you make that choice... You're still gonna have to make choices after that. Yeah, you know. So I just I have a lot of feelings about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my I I did the wide eye thing, which in my defense I have big ass eyes to begin with. All right, so it's really easy uh, to look critical. I feel like I'm being shamed. Yeah. how that kind of like impacted it. It was a huge narrative for yeah. me growing up when I was a kid. 
And I mean, my dad was raised in like sort of Mormon kind of church a little bit. And so I think for him coming back to Christ was sort of like him coming back to home in a safe place for him. Um, and again, with like harm reduction, right? Like if it, if it gets people clean and back to their families, is it a bad thing? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a complicated thing. But anyway, so I feel like we talk about like drug use all the time. Like my dad told me legit when I was nine that he's nine or maybe eight that he stopped using cocaine because it was too expensive. And then he used to like tell me stuff about like how he smuggled drugs in from the border and you know, whatever. Like, yeah, he did some shit. Yeah. And I think we talked about sex, but my dad always talked about it as a joke. Like, it was, a, it was like, a joke. Oh, interesting. And my mom talked about it, like, it's this, like, universal expression of love. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck off, dude. Like, right, right, right. I'm a teenager, like, slash, like, middle schooler. Wait, like, you really that, mom? <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Some people don't believe it for that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that was my experience. But... To go kind of what you were talking about, it's like just say no. And I think that was kind of something that happened a lot in our generation, like dare and all of this, like abstain, abstain, abstain. So I was talking to my, my partner and my, one of my best friends, they're both from the other side of the world. They're from Macedonia and Turkey. And the, this messaging was exactly the same for them, except they had visuals. So apparently there was like some, well we made posters so yeah there was posters I mean we had posters too right like I remember there was a picture the anti smoking picture of a like really beautiful model who had tar all over her face do you guys remember that picture no. uh, I remember the like oh my god people who looked like they were strung out yes or, the scare yeah. tactic pictures yeah. scare yeah, like yeah, yeah. like or like this is your brain on um, meth and it was like. A mm-hmm. hard boiled egg, like or like right. just a normal egg, like oh, on the floor. Yeah, I forgot about that the one. Egg. The yeah. like I, I was like, what? I don't even know what that is. Right. So like tons of scare tags. So in Turkey, what what they did, and uh, apparently in that part of the world in general, is they had this campaign of this woman who I guess was like Miss Universe Turkey or Miss Universe Macedonia, okay. and she started abusing drugs, mm-hmm. and then she wound the paparazzi found her with no pants on. And completely strung up next to a trash can. And so they were laughing the other night. We were sitting together talking about this, about how, like, this campaign was so intense. And they were like, oh, my God, like, I should never do drugs because I'm going to fucking wind up dead by a trash can. Like, that was the constant. Like, by by that. It's like, well, this is only applicable to me if I become this fucking universe. So, right. You know, shut, shut the fuck up. Well, and then we were all laughing because we were like, dude, they fucking lied to us. Right. Like, it's a lie. Like, yeah. so anyway, in conclusion, sex and drugs are awesome and everybody should do that. Okay, that's not. No, I'm just kidding. I just said it. Not it? Wait, that's not it? Oh, no. Um, oh, no. In conclusion, you know, be safe. Make good decisions. Yeah, make As good choices. Make good choices. Make um, choices that feel right in your body. Yeah, yeah and make choices safe. that are consensual. And yeah. I think that well, again, it's. I think I don't. I wasn't anticipating the connection that we ended up making now of like just all the conversations we've had about sex and now the ones that we're having about drugs and you know potentially for anybody that's doing sex and drugs right mm-hmm. um, in combination, um, which is both have the same messaging yeah. and it's like. Have it be consensual, have it be, you know, something that feels good in your body and something that you're um, kind of like understanding the consequences of, Mm -hmm. both good and bad, you know, so it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. both might be a good time, but it's like, there's also, you know, things that could make it not so much of a good time. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that that's where we kind of landed on that. 
keep it safe and uh, just know if you do decide to use something a little bit harder, like uh, cocaine, for example, beware fentanyl. That's that's what I want to leave yeah. you all with. Like it's yeah. it's very pervasive right now and it's very scary. And I I do really feel for the kids who uh, you know the high school students who are experimenting with drugs right now because yeah. that to me feels scarier than oh, it was yeah. when we were kids. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Be safe, be careful, and we look forward to talking to you more next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.